Hello, and welcome to the special bonus episode of Earthlings Podcast, where we answer the question, who the hell are you people anyway, and what is this show? (laughs) (laughs) So we've been getting a lot of inquiries since we started this podcast, and uh, we thought, well, you know, let's answer them on the air, if you will. And yeah, my friends are are like, so who's this Christian guy? How did you meet him? I'm like, Christian, you don't know Christian? He's awesome. Thank you, Lisa Ann. So, you know, and we thought we'd just start with an explanation of who we are. Mm -hmm. So, Lisa Ann, who are you? What is your background? Well, it all started in the hills of the Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky, where I was born. I was actually, uh, I was born on stage, actually. My parents like to tell that story. <laughs> and they say, so it's no wonder you do what you do. Uh-huh. So I was a natural breech birth, and this was a teaching hospital, and there happened to be a woman from Scotland who knew how to deliver a natural breech. Wow. So they rolled my mother into a surgical amphitheater kind of room. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and the entire hospital came to watch me be born because they were going to learn how to do this. And my dad talks about... He's like standing in the back with the hospital administrator, like the head honcho guy. And, and he turns to them and says, so would you deliver your child as a natural breach? And the guy says, oh, absolutely not. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but but Sister Mary can. Absolutely. She knows how. Hmm. So so that's um, that's how I got my start. In this world, and I grew up in West Michigan and was a theater kid because I was a total misfit when it came to my high school. And then I went to school for theater, so that's where I was going to be a Shakespearean actress and director. And I got my degree, got my master's, moved out to Hollywood, worked on the West Wing, and hated Hollywood. But the West Wing was kind of cool. And I was babysitting Geraldo Rivera because my job was to make sure that outside crews didn't wander too far on the set of the West Wing. (laughs) And so I brought him some coffee and we were just like shooting the shit. And it was during the uh, Bush v. Gore crisis that was happening. And I was asking him all kinds of questions about it. And we were just chit-chatting. And he stopped in the middle of our conversation. He says, so have you ever considered being a reporter? You ask really good questions. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be a reporter. That's that's dumb. I'm in here in Hollywood. You know, I'm going to be a director and, you know, I'm going to do my Hollywood thing. And then I met this random news person at a party and he pretty much said the same thing. You should be a reporter. And that kind of got my wheels turning. And then I did not like L.A. whatsoever. So I moved back to Pittsburgh and through a series of events, I got a job at the Allegheny Front, which is a environmental news radio show in Pittsburgh. And then I went and worked at WCPN in Cleveland as an environmental reporter and a healthcare reporter in education. And I did that for like 12 years. And then I was more in love with the companies I was covering than doing the news every day. So I switched over into public relations and founded Technica Communications. Nice. And then women in clean tech and sustainability because you are an overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And living life on hard mode. and those who right. those who've listened to our psychedelics <laughs> episode will will know what that means. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's because you know, frankly, like it would be me and five women in a room, and we'd all gravitate to each other. And um, you know, there's all these guys who would assume that I was either right out of college or 
was somebody's assistant, but not that I was a business owner. Mm-hmm. And when I told them I was a business owner, they'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, if I was a guy, this wouldn't be interesting whatsoever. I was in like my early 30s. Yeah. And um, so, but I was going to these women in, uh, entrepreneurship events and those were awesome. The, the support, the community, they were so inspiring. And I wanted to bring these two things together. So that's why I founded Women in Clean Tech and Sustainability. Oh, and now we're awesome. an international nonprofit. There you go. So that's me, Christian. Tell me about you. Where did you get your start? Well, let's go back because I have my own birth story. <laughs> I was actually, I can't say that I was exactly born on the interstate, but I was definitely crowning on I-5 south in the mountains of Southern Oregon. Oh my goodness. Yes, indeed. I was actually born in a chiropractor's office in a small town that mostly has an Indian casino. <laughs> that, that's, that's a whole other story. So... <laughs> The first few 20 some years were chaos, but I did eventually get break into reporting. I am also a former journalist and I got my big break. I was working for Pacifica and I got my break covering post-Katrina New Orleans. So I was down there a month after the storm reporting on hurricane, when Hurricane Rita breached the levees into the Lower Ninth Ward. It was the second time the Lower Ninth Ward flooded catastrophically Mm -hmm. and I was standing on a bridge reporting this. It was madness. I have to say, reporting on post-Katrina New Orleans was incredibly meaningful, and it was really interesting, and got to do reports for a bunch of different networks and shows, and, you know, it was a fascinating time, but I found radio reporting to be a terrible career in terms of making a living. (laughs) Um, I discovered that as well. Yes. I was like, wow, you mean I have to have a side job to support my journalism? My journalism mm-hmm. habit? Are you mm-hmm. serious? Mm-hmm. You know, I got into, I got, also got into communications and I got hired by an energy policy nonprofit. I was actually unemployed at the time and I had just gotten done finish. I had just finished uh, changing my ex-girlfriend's oil and I was sitting in my living room in coveralls with oil and a friend, an old friend knocked on the door and he basically wanted to hire me for an energy policy nonprofit. And so in 2009, I got bitten by the energy transition bug and you know, my life changed after that. I only wanted to work in renewable energy. I started writing for the Germans. I spent a decade as a solar trade journalist getting deep and wonky into the details of of solar and the energy transition because I found this whole thing fascinating. You know, I found this, I found the potential of the energy transition fascinating. You know, instead of, and I felt like yeah. for the first time in my life, instead of trying to stop bad things from happening, I could be part of something, uh, this new positive change in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that was fascinating. And, you know, I'm still, uh, I still work in energy. Now I'm a policy analyst that draws on my, you know, my reporting. I'm still a climate activist, but not that kind of climate activist. I'm the kind of climate activist who helps legislators write bills and goes and testifies for them and, you know, goes to public hearings and, you know, works on a lot of things particularly where I live in Rhode Island, to try to move the energy transition forward. So that's a lot of what I do. But, you know, I also never lost the need to create after I left journalism. So I still write. And, you know, this is Earthlings is a way for me to continue to make content because I'm Mm -hmm. someone, I'm a writer and I have to continue to create. This is just, there's just this this is need that I have. And I I love radio because, and and so I love podcasting because it's, it's the internet continuation of radio. 
Exactly. I've often thought if podcasts were around when I was still a reporter at NPR, that I would not have stopped my reporting career. I would have just picked up a podcast and that would have fueled me while I was, you know, feeling frustrated feeding the beast, as we call it. Oh, the beast. Has an insatiable (laughs) appetite. And as soon as it eats your story that you spent hours, days, weeks on, doesn't matter. I want something else now. Oh, it, it's it's any kind of daily reporting's like that. It was the same thing when I was reporting on the solar industry. You could do the best article ever. I know. You know, you could do the most, the best piece of work that you'd ever done, and you publish it. But if it's daily news tomorrow, you need to do something new. You got to yep. push that rock back up the hill. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. why it's a little bit. I I much prefer to do longer form. I much prefer to do feature work. You know, this in Earthlings, we get to look take a, a sort of longer look at things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love I love that we get a chance to really think about the context of why things are and why they might be going in a certain direction because so much daily news, even you know, even- internet news, e-zines, the context, it takes so much time and often you have to do a little bit of investigative reporting and you have to learn for yourself and almost become sort of a quasi expert yourself to be able to understand all this stuff and frankly the way the news business is these days I mean, nobody has the opportunity to spend that kind of time. Yeah, there's just little space overall for context in daily news reporting. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely true. So let's jump to the next question we get, which is, so how did you two meet? (laughs) (laughs) That also has some good stories to it. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So solar, we're both, we were both going to these solar trade shows. Mm -hmm. And we both knew Adisa. First off, Adisa Zirich. Our Bosnian-American friend, she... Amazing woman. Amazing woman. Just so much life, right? And she's someone who just loves to bring people together and connect people. And so she was doing what Adisa does, is she'd met a bunch of cool ladies and she wanted to introduce them to me and Dimitro. Mm -hmm. So we ended up hanging out. uh, You know, this was at one of the Solar Power International shows. It was in Anaheim. We were at Disneyland. Anaheim, Disneyland. (laughs) I am not. It was that big party. A big fan of Disneyland. Oh, we we got ourselves into the Sun Edison party, which was this like huge party. There were probably I don't know how many, like over a thousand people there. Yeah, at that time, Sun Edison was huge. They what a year or two later went completely bankrupt and surprised everybody. But at that time, they were just this massive behemoth in the renewable energy in the solar industry. Mm -hmm. But that party was a complete sausage fest because. It was just all these solar installers and solar dudes, and we were all dancing, and this one guy would not leave me alone. No, he was getting all up in your stuff. And I know. You know, I go out with my female friends, and I expect that they will be treated with respect when we go out on the town and not, and this was way inappropriate and aggressive. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, we, we had a little moment there. (laughs) <laughs> you defended my honor, and Thank I you. really appreciated it. <laughs> this totally random person that I kind of know. <laughs> I also almost got kicked out for, yeah, for being a little well, um, you know, aggressive. Well, yeah. you had to match. You had to match his aggression in a way, or be more than what he was doing to me to get him to pay attention because he was so drunk. Yeah, I did get him to pay attention. Yeah, you had to get his attention. Yeah, so I got his attention. <laughs> it worked. It worked. It worked. I also. Almost got kicked out. Then we were, so then we sort of parted ways and then we would kind of see each other at conferences here and there. Well, and then it was kind of see, you know, I actually sought you out because I, 
I was figuring out who the pe best people were to party with at <laughs> the solar trade shows. I'd look, it's the same people, right? So I'm going to figure it out is. who do I actually want to hang out with? I'm stuck here. Exactly. You know, it's this forced socializing thing, but who do I actually want to spend time with? Mm -hmm. Lisa Ann was mm -hmm. one of them, but Lisa Ann also became part of this sort of crew that was forming. And, mm -hmm. you know, they would frequently be speaking in Russian. We, we were sort of like their token American friends because it was like, okay, you're, you're Americans, but you can still hang out with you us. You can still hang out. You're, you're cool <laughs> enough to hang out with us. And then we had a couple of sales guys that would run with us and... Yeah. It was a good crew. It was a great crew. It was a great time. I mean, I would so look forward to every trade show. Yeah. Boy, yeah, go everybody. to karaoke. And oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so much fun. So, yeah. So, we so we became really good friends. And then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And Women in Clean Tech and Sustainability was in we have to pivot mode. Yeah. No more trade shows, by the way. No. Suddenly, this whole yeah, thing no of seeing shows. all the people you know at trade shows was not happening anymore. I wasn't going mm -hmm. to them anymore anyway, by the way, because I had gotten hired by RMI. And they didn't send me anywhere anymore, I know. except Boulder. <laughs> Flying, climbing the Flatirons is cool, but <laughs> so um, and you and you wrote this article that I remember reading about COVID and climate and the risks mm -hmm. that were all wrapped up in this. And we needed an event to sort of kick off our vent, our virtual program because we were going all virtual. And nobody wanted to organize it. So I was like, okay, I'm the leader of this thing. I will organize it for you and show you how easy it is. And and so I put on the Earth Day event mm -hmm. and invited you to be a guest. Yes, that was Earth Day 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was great. And by the way, I so I wrote that piece. Actually, what had happened was while I was at RMI, the artist formerly known as Rocky Mountain Institute, they rebranded. It was dumb. But anyway. I'll, I'll keep calling them RMI. While I was at RMI, uh, we had the various people in various positions. One of them was this guy, Ned Harvey, who headed the industry practice. And Ned was fascinating. Ned just was like, he would have these amazing ideas and thoughts, but he didn't often write them down. So Ned had this idea. He, at one point, he was talking about, well, you know, COVID and climate change, it's because we have this stochastic risk and all of these factors are intersecting with each other. And I was like, wait, stop right there. We need to write about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I got together with him and we ended up writing this piece. And, and well, I, okay, so I wrote the piece, but it was really Ned's ideas. It was his ideas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the whole idea, the, the inspiration for it was Ned. I just sort of helped flesh it out and put it together because I was like, this is fascinating, you know? Let's write something interesting here. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Christian, that's really interesting. We need to make a, an event about that. <laughs> so we would and we did a promo video, and I'll put the link to that promo video. It's still on YouTube, so I'll put it in the in the show notes if anybody's interested in listening to that. That was pretty – you can take the Wayback Machine, and you can see how terrible my hair was two years ago. <laughs> but it was a fun event. <laughs> it was a great event because it was like a virtual happy hour. So you and I spent some time mm – -hmm talking about this stuff, and then we just threw people into breakout rooms and let them network. And, and I got to know Tanya Barham because of that, because she kept, like, having very pointed, like, oh, well, what about this? And, you know, like, very, she was a real presence. Yeah, and I'd always wanted to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. I had been thinking about a podcast for years, but I, you know, I wasn't going to do it by myself. It's a lot more fun to do it with someone you enjoy hanging out with. Yeah. And after that event... I don't know how we brought it up. I think you brought it up, brought up because the thing okay. is, is that I'd been talking, I'd, I'd been working on various other longer form projects that hadn't necessarily been panning out. And I remember 
talking with Nico Johnson of Suncast, who I, I would frequently mm-hmm. also see at events and have great conversations with. He's he's a, mm-hmm. he's a really interesting guy and a great conversationalist. Surprise, surprise, he's a successful yeah. podcast host. Yeah. Um, and Nico had been saying, you know, Christian, why don't you do a podcast? And I'd had other people over the years say, you know, why don't you do something in audio? Um, and so when Lisa Ann came to me and said, hey, let's do a podcast, I was like, okay, let's do this. You know? Yeah. Like, it was, it was right. I, and, and also... I think it was the it was the inspiration of that idea that we had from that event because we had such a good rapport and we had such a good conversation that we thought, oh, well, you know, this is... And I think that that blog also was part of the germination in that it was about the intersection of multiple things that people experience in their real lives, COVID mm-hmm. and climate change and how these things intersect. And... You know, I, for me, this is part of the inspiration for Earthlings. And, you know, we were like, well, we could do an energy show, but we're not going to do another energy transition show. We're not going to do it no. better than Chris Nelder, to be honest. No. But what we can do is we can take these ideas about, you know, climate, about the environment, about the things that are happening to us today, you know, the pandemic, and we can do a show that isn't for wonks and that isn't mm-hmm. for experts or people working in their field, but that is for the educated generalist that is for the broader masses and talk about these big issues that affect all of our lives. Yeah. yeah. And even, and, and you know, I, I love the energy transition. I love my clients. I love reading up on what's going on. Hydrogen, renewable energy, all this stuff is really cool. But I also am really excited about the future of education or, you know, the metaverse. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to have other interests and I, I thought, well, people, other people are interested in this stuff too. And how does it all intersect? Yes. Yes. And I think that's really what this comes down to is this is a show about intersections. We say this is a show about the intersection of environment, technology, and society. Mm-hmm. And, and about life in the early 21st century, because these are some of the big themes that we're all encountering. But mm-hmm. so many of these shows, they, they approach it from 10,000 feet from the expert's perspective. And, you know, we, we wanted to do a little bit of like, well, what does this look like from a human perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what does this look like as a user? Oh, yeah. Things like cryptocurrencies, you know, what do cryptocurrencies, oh, they have these larger societal implications and they also have implications when you buy them, you know. Like, as an average person. Yes. Which is why we interviewed our, my friend Ali. And this all comes back to, you know, at, a, at NPR, there's a, a person that they send you to be trained with. They call him the host whisperer. <laughs> and I remember him telling me, he's like, Lisa Ann, I don't really care about a steel mill. I can't. I don't understand a steel mill, but I can understand what it's like to be the person that lives next to it. Yeah. Or works in it. Or works in it. Yep. And if you can uh, approach stories from the human perspective, it will resonate with people and they will, they will remember the information that you're providing. Yeah. And I think our format is also part of this. You know, a lot of podcasts are single guest format and we do that sometimes, but a lot of the times we do multiple guests because we want to get multiple angles of a story. Well, yeah, we do. And we, and because there are, there's a lot to, like you say, context, there's a lot to be shared around a story. And frankly, being able to talk to so many people on a single subject really helps you round out the information to a point where the show, I hope, will be evergreen and be just as relevant today as it, an episode would be just as relevant today as it will be a year from now. 
And I think that this is part of what we do at Earthlings is we talk about solutions, you know? And for me, this comes, this is grounded in my work. At RMI, we would say, we do solutions, not problems. In fact, the first nonprofit that I worked for in New Orleans, Alliance for Affordable Energy, awesome organization, by the way, still doing great work. Uh, their motto was, solutions exist. And I have, I have actually used that motto repeatedly over and over again, because, you know, do you want to spend all of your time? Yes, we want to talk about the problems. At Earthlings, we're going to talk about the problems. But we're not going to talk about the problems without talking about what the potential solutions are. That is what, you know, that is what drives yep. us and gets us up in the morning. Um, Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. so I, lo- I just I, I love that this show that we're doing is, you know, helping people understand that there is information out there that they can use today and can make we can we could be making informed decisions about the future. We're not. We're just <laughs> we're just going about our lives and, and blaming it on, oh, it'll fuck up the economy or we can overshoot on climate <laughs> targets and then we'll be able to draw back later, yeah, yeah, you know. No feedback loops oh those won't be a problem yeah like it's just your it's like i really hate that like climate change feels like the ultimate group project (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) where it actually there's only some people that actually do the work and everybody else you know tags along (laughs) to get credit for it but you know (laughs) so that's really frustrating to me but to do this show it is illuminating the things that are happening and the people that are moving forward and taking accountability where they can and using their spheres of influence as big or small as they are to make a change. Like you said, Christian, wanting to be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. That is how this reality is set up. And, and if you just want to sit at home and feel depressed and disgruntled because things aren't going your way, you're more than welcome to be that person. Yeah, but it's not going to help yourself feel better, and it's definitely not going to help make a change in the world that you want to see. People, this reality requires action. But also, let's talk about the name Earthlings. Why did we call this Earthlings podcast? So, where did the Earthlings name come from? It was I was out doing something. I was walking around, and we were we were thinking about the podcast because it was our COVID project, mm-hmm. and we weren't certain like what it was going to be but we were going to workshop it and we needed a name and this one came to me earthlings and uh, we tried to come up with all kinds of other names but this is the one that really stuck and i like it because you know me i'm really into sci-fi and you know we are one planet we are one people and so much of our world uh society politics etc etc uh make an attempt to divide us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because we're frankly easier to control that way. And if, cause if we were all united, there's way more of us than there are of them, but we're all earthlings and we get a chance to get along together on this planet. Cause if we don't, we're not going to survive. Or if we do survive, we're going to be very small numbers. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is the climate crisis, right? Mm-hmm. The climate crisis isn't something that one nation can solve. This requires everybody, but it also mm-hmm. requires a different relationship. You know, we think we, we think a lot in terms of identities. I'm a Cal, you know, I'm Californian or I'm an American. That's it's often national mm-hmm. identities, and mm-hmm. I, I've never been very fond of nationalism. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, find I do it, I do identify as a Gen Xer though. Like I'm very <laughs> much a Gen Xer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
That's fair. I'm very much a misfit. A, a Gen Xer, yeah. And and I, I own being an American, but I think that if we're really going to deal with some of these big environmental issues, it requires thinking of ourselves in our relationship to the planet. And so mm-hmm. maybe this is an attempt to create a new identity. We're earthlings. Mm-hmm. You know? We're one people. We're inhabitants. They say that um, the environmental movement sort of got sparked when the astronauts sent back a photo of Earth. And it was the first photo anybody had seen of our planet. And that from that moment, things started to shift. They didn't shift as quickly as maybe we all think they should have. But it gave us, as you say, one identity. And if we're a people that are now moving to, you know, starting space tourism and we're going to have a commercial space station and maybe we're going to colonize Mars or the moon, then the identity of an earth lane is going to start to become even more concrete. Yeah. Because now then you will have, you know, lunar rights and <laughs> Martians. <laughs> Martians. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. For and sure. then belters. You know, people who, there will be people who have only grown up in space and yeah. never grown up in gravity in wow. 200, 300 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's that. And, you know, I think about also that idea of earthlings has affected the way we approach the show. As I mentioned, we're both Americans. And mm-hmm. in season one, we interviewed a lot of Americans. We interviewed some Europeans. There's one show that's just Europeans. But... I'm really excited in season two, we're going to start to bring more voices from some of the other Earthlings that aren't heard from as much, particularly our fellow Earthlings in the global South, which mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and this to me is an exciting part of this project that we're still growing into. And bear with us, when we were first starting out, it was hard to get people to sign up for a podcast that hadn't <laughs> launched yet. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're growing into this, but, yeah. but that, you know, that's part of where we're taking this is trying to bring more global voices forward. Okay, so let's talk. So we've finished season one. And so we're going to be going into season two. And that's going to, we're going to drop that sometime in the early summer. We're not exactly sure yet. We got to get a buffer. We we have lives. We have day jobs. And we want to get a buffer back around the work that we're doing. So Christian, give the the people a preview as to what topics they might hear about in the coming seasons. So in season two, we're going to be dealing with some of the, with more with climate change and with some of the effects of climate change that we're already experiencing. We're going to be taking a look at wildfires, for instance. That's one that's coming up. Also, we're going to look at what the world is going to look like when it gets hotter writ large. Yes. I'm excited about that one because frankly, it's a scary proposition to really think about if we go to two 0.7 0.7 C, like really what's the world going to be like? And yeah. nobody wants to look at that. Yep. Nobody wants to look at it, but we're going to. Mm-hmm. We're going to do hydrogen aviation. Mm-hmm. We're going to do probably something around micromobility. Absolutely. How, how cities are changing and how transportation is changing. Yeah, because in season one, we did EVs and all my urbanist friends, I'm sure out there were cringing because I, you know, I'm an avid cyclist. I, I am have this whole vision about how cities need to evolve beyond automobiles. You know, it's actually, I, I have some data to back this up about how it's really important for reducing emissions. But yeah, so micromobility in there. A lot of we'll stuff. definitely do a space episode. We don't know what the topic's going to be yet, but that's yeah. part of our mandate is we always cover space. 
So yeah, I like that we have a wide variety of topics. It's not just about climate change, which is important. Uh, and we get a chance to like be interested in other things too that are also intersecting with that work. So season two is coming up. We really appreciate all of you for being our listeners. Whether you subscribe or you don't, um, that's totally up to you. We appreciate you anyway. And uh, we look forward to you all joining us uh, for season two when it's ready. In the meantime, uh, feel free to send us your ideas or tell us what you think about the show. We'd love to hear feedback, positive or negative. We're, we're accustomed to it. We're former reporters. Like We've had our, our shit totally destroyed by an editor (laughs) (laughs) and we've also gotten angry letters too that's right that's right so send us your feedback or don't Uh, we'd love to hear from you though and we're also on social media so follow us there and we look forward to seeing you on another rotation of this blue green space flower earthlings remember it's really the only one you've got and you're not guaranteed that there's going to be another one that you can habitate so we might as well clean up the shit that we got going on here. Take care of your own house first. That's right. Bye, Earthlings. 